0: All this week, DTNS is on summer vacation, but in its place is Experiment Week, where our producers and contributors are trying out new show ideas and releasing them right here on the DTNS feed. Enjoy. Coming up on DTNS today, so you're thinking about having a solar installed on in your home by a professional. What should be What should you be thinking about before you sign, during the install, and during the life of your system? From the heart of East Texas, I'm Brian Hoffman. Tom calls me a solar enthusiast.
1: And from north of the wall, I'm Amos, and I am a solar noob.
0: Today we will be your guest host, and we'll be discussing some of the nomenclatures of the solar industry and arm you with basic knowledge of the things that could be installed on your home and how the process works while you reduce your environmental impact and save money over time while going solar. To start off with, I'm a best value-minded person. I don't want to spend more money than I have to, and neither do you. So how do we find the best value while going solar? Let's see if we can arm you with the right questions to ask and the right things to look for during your quest.
1: My number one question, Brian, is, is pretty daunting. The whole thing. How do I get started?
0: Well, the first thing you need to do is figure out how large a solar system you need or want for your home. And do you have the space to install all those panels?
1: Okay. But uh, that sounds great. But there's, there seems to be some, like, math there or something. Like, wh- how do I do that? How do I find out how much, how much I need?
0: Okay. Well, looking at your electric bill can teach you a lot about the amount of energy your household consumes monthly and yearly. If you want to go solar and generate all your electric needs over time, you'll have to understand the number of sunny days available at your home.
1: Okay. Uh, And is there like an easy reference for that?
0: Well, there is. There are online solar calculators which will estimate the number of sunny days in your area. A simple Internet search can get you pretty close. Here in East Texas, I have over 295 sunny days per year on average.
1: That must be great, because here in Alaska, I've only got 128 sunny days on average.
0: (laughs) Yeah, sometimes that's the way it works. All right, so now let's take the calculation um, and move forward. This is pretty simple. First, take the number of kilowatt hours used in a given year and divide that by the average number of sunny days you have at your home per year.
1: Okay, so I'm sitting at about 1,000. But why are we dividing by six? And Does that change with location?
0: It does. The farther uh, north or south that you live, um, it will change to five and then four. But four is about as low as it gets. Once you go far enough from the equator, you start having more and more sunlight per day during your summers.
1: So I live in Alaska. I need to produce most of my energy needs during the summer and then live off of uh, energy credits during the winter. Is that a thing?
0: Yep, that's exactly right. Um, And that's one of the problems with solar. Uh, Yes, if you want to go solar, you have to produce all your energy needs during your sunny days, whenever they happen. Now, if you don't have that much space or, frankly, money, having a smaller system is still very beneficial. Depending on how your electric company deals with solar generation, you can make a sizable dent in your electric bill if you don't eliminate it outright.
1: Okay. Okay. So I'm just trying to balance things out as opposed to living purely off the sun all the time.
0: Right. You're doing what you can. The next thing we need to do is figure out what type of installation will work best for you. There are generally two types, AC grid tide and DC tide systems.
1: Okay. Now now we're getting technical. I'm an electrician by trade. I did so on airplanes for many, many years. Um, but these aren't terms I'm used to. So can you, uh, like, just just give me which one's best, man.
0: Well, AC-tied systems mean that your panel's DC energy will be converted to AC energy right after it comes out of the panels with either a microinverter or very soon after with a string inverter. This energy gets used by you in your house or goes directly onto the grid. DC-tied systems send the energy... From your panels to a charge controller, which then charges batteries and powers inverters. Off-grid applications traditionally use DC-tied systems, while grid-tied systems need to be AC-coupled um, sooner or later.
1: Oh, okay, okay. Well, um, despite what people may think, I don't live off-grid out in the middle of the boondocks anywhere. So <laughs> I, I live in the city here in Alaska. Uh, so I'm going with an AC-tied system? Is that is that what I'm getting there?
0: Yep. That is uh, the simplest way to go solar, and most installers can give you options to choose from. In my opinion, the simplest grid-tied setup uh, is solar panels using microinverters. Why is that the simplest way to go? Well, if one microinverter fails or one solar panel stops working for any reason, the rest of your system keeps working. String inverters are exactly what they sound like. String inverters take the energy from a string of panels and convert that DC energy into AC energy. String inverter systems tend to be a bit cheaper to install, but the downside is if the inverter fails, that string is not producing energy. And a string inverter can handle as many as 10 solar panels on one string. So you can see how that could add up if you lost a string inverter.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, then you're losing all the panels that go along with it, right? So, um. Right. Next question I have for you, then, is how often is this stuff failing? Like, is well, this, goodness, is, is this it's, every it's Tuesday?
0: R- <laughs> nope. It's really rare to see a failure of either of the microinverters or the string inverters. They're both pretty mature technologies.
1: Okay. Now, if I'm on a string system uh, and, and a panel fails, am I then out of luck there?
0: No. Um, if you're using modern solar panels, modern solar panels can allow the energy to pass through from other panels through your string down to the inverter. Uh, Unless, of course, there's a larger fault or there's a problem in the wiring.
1: Okay, so my next question is, especially with the environment that I live in, the winters can be a bit rough. Where are these inverters located? Is this going to be in my house, in my roof? Is it going to be like in my neighbor's yard? Where's the inverter going to go?
0: Well, microinverters live under your solar panels and they're exposed to harsh conditions, but they're designed for those conditions. String inverters typically live on a wall either inside or outside of your home, depending on your location. And they're out of pretty much the harsher environments. Both have their pluses and minuses.
1: Okay. Okay. So that's the inverters. Now, the other, the other piece of this that, uh, that I've got questions about are the panels. Like, it seems to be that's a pretty big issue, uh, you know, pretty big part of this. So can you tell me about the different types of panels? Because I'm sure there's not just one
0: type yep glad you asked modern solar panels are silicon based they use monocrystalline and polycrystalline cells their cell counts vary from 60 to 72 to 120 to 144 cells per panel and you can also hear things like half cut cells and bifacial panels
1: okay you just you just threw a lot at us here um can you break that down just a little bit more for us people in the back
0: absolutely uh, monocrystalline panels have traditionally had higher efficiencies due to fewer impurities in their silicon substrates. Polycrystalline traditionally had more impurities and thus lower efficiencies, but they cost a lot less historically. Today's modern premium panels are typically monocrystallines most of the time and have higher and higher efficiencies. For the money, you're going to be offered monocrystalline cells in your panels these days, but it's always good to ask what's being offered.
1: Uh, I'm not good with math, and you had a whole lot of numbers there. So let's break down some of these numbers, because like 60, 72, uh, 120, 144, like it seems to be a pattern there, but can you you get into that a little bit?
0: Sure. Cell count is simply the number of cells you see on your solar panel. 60 cell count panels produce lower voltages and are traditionally a little smaller. Uh, Think of them as older technology. 72 cell count panels produce higher voltages, are larger, and they were traditionally used in industrial applications. Today, either panel can be used in a home application. Use the size of the panel that fits your application. Now let's talk about half-cut cells. These give you the 120 and the 144 cell count panels. Simply put, half-cut cells are just that. The cells have been cut in half, And they're arranged in two strings of either 60 or 72 cells, one string on each half of the panel, making them 120 and 144. I like half-cut panels because of the shade protection they offer. If one side of your panel is shaded for any reason, the other side can still produce energy while it's in the sunlight. If you have a lot of trees around your house, half-cut cell panels should be looked at for your application.
1: Okay, so the half-cut cells, cell panels, are, they're kind of like uh, two panels built into one.
0: Yeah, they're insurance. They're like, that's, yeah, think of it that way, two panels built into one. Uh, okay, but
1: what about bifacial panels? Can you explain that?
0: Bifacial panels can capture energy when sunlight hits either the front and or the back of the panel. This leads to a higher output per panel. If you're installing your solar panels on a traditional shingled roof, you'll see limited additional output from bifacial panels. Bifacial panels do traditionally last longer and degrade less over time, making them a better value in the long run for some application. But today's modern top-tier panels are starting to offer 30-year warranties, so that benefit may not last. Now, if you have a metal roof, you can see as much as a 15% gain in the energy captured using bifacial panels if you mount them to take advantage of their unique properties. That is something to think about before you install your system. Now, let's talk about installation. How do you find a quality installer at a fair price in your area? Well, you can ask a friend. You could look at reviews. You could go to several online sites who can introduce you to installers. Or you could answer a few robocalls and hope for the best.
1: Okay, so sounds like looking at a few trusted review sites should do the trick.
0: That's what I would do if I didn't install them myself. There are a lot of websites which will introduce you to solar installers. Doing your research and looking at reviews from trusted sites can go a long way to ensure you find a professional installer for your system. Remember, you're about to spend a lot of money and you have the right to receive great value.
1: Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host.
0: Introducing WonderSuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to health care. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Now let's talk about the process. You need to know who's responsible for all the permits required in your area. You're going to want a copy of all those permits before the work starts and you'll want to know the timeline for your install.
1: Okay, but how long does it usually take to install a solar system, and when should I expect an inspection to happen?
0: Normally, an installation should happen in one day. Ensuring your inspection is scheduled soon after the install means your system can be online sooner, saving you time and money while lowering your carbon footprint. In short, don't let them start working without seeing and verifying the permits and the timeline for your inspections. So
1: the installer is just going to know what to do when they arrive? Like, Is there like a set of plans that they, they have to do some measurements or stuff?
0: Yeah, your system should be engineered. Um, this is a process that uh, includes the drawings and calculations for the installation to ensure your system complies with all the local codes, safety standards. Your system will be improved by your local electric company if you're using a grid-tied system. Having your system engineered properly cannot be overstated. Any reputable solar installer will be happy to give you a copy of an engineering documentation for your installation. So
1: I want to see the plans before they start working on my home because it's my home. That makes sense as well. Uh, But can you explain some of the steps and some of the terms I'm going to hear during the process?
0: Absolutely. Here are some of the terms that will be used and what they mean. Installation. That's the easy one. It's just what it sounds like. Installation is putting the solar products on your home according to the plans the panels, the inverters, or charge controllers, disconnects, conduit, and wiring, to name a few. Inspections. How many inspections you're going to have and by whom it should be in your plan? Your utility company, your local government, and others may have jurisdiction to inspect your system before it's allowed to produce energy. Make sure the proper inspections are scheduled in the right order to allow your system to be up and generating as soon as possible make sure you understand who's responsible for scheduling those inspections. Now, this is the big one, commissioning. This one's easier than it sounds. This is where you get to turn on your system and start generating or really capturing energy from the sun. This only happens after all the inspections are signed off and complete by the controlling agencies. If you use an engineering design for your system, this process should be the easiest part of your installation.
1: So installations when they actually come out in physically install all the equipment and then the inspections the big thing there is that I've got to make sure they're done in the right order by the right people which should be part of my my research process for my local area and then the commissioning is when we actually get to throw the switch and I start sucking power from the sun got it yep that's correct (laughs) okay so I got a better understanding of that those terms and that process I got it But how does it all happen? Do I have choices as to, like, where my panels are
0: going to be installed? You do. You have the option to install your panels very close to your roof, or you can stand your panels off the roof of several inches using a racking system. Having your panels close to the roof has curb appeal to many people, but it will cost you a little in production during the hotter months as solar panels generate less energy when heated.
1: Okay, but how much are we talking? Because I like my pretty house.
0: We're only talking 5 to 10 percent, and where you live, it's probably a lot closer to five, let's be honest. Uh, When choosing a racking system, you may also want to consider the color of the edge of your panels. Traditionally, solar panels come with aluminum edges to reduce weight. Today's panels are being sold with black frames and black back sheets to better blend into the roof line. This is a personal decision that only you can answer. Black frames are going to be hotter, but the difference in output will again be limited. So now we need to think about money. When do you start paying? Is it going to be at the start or the end of the installation, after the inspections, or after your system is commissioned?
1: Those are all, that's, yes, exactly. So what is typical in in the process?
0: Well, most installers want to get paid as soon as possible, often as soon as the system is installed. Okay. I personally wouldn't want to pay any amount until the panel's And all the equipment are on site. Remember, it only takes one day to install the thing. Uh, And then, I'd only want to pay for the material cost. I want the installer to be as eager as I am to have the system commissioned before they get the final payment.
1: Okay. So, when they bring the equipment, you pay for the equipment. When they finish, when it's actually commissioned, you pay for the installation.
0: Yep. That's how I would like to do it. Okay. Uh,
1: But what about, like, you know, leasing a system? I've heard that, There can be problems going that route instead of just buying it outright.
0: I don't like leasing a solar system. It goes against one of the fundamentals of going solar. Are you going to pay for each kilowatt hour used? If so, at what rate? For how long? And who gets the tax credit? Leases are almost never the right answer for you, but they are the right answer for the leasing company. Remember, this is not like leasing a car. You're going to own your solar system for a really long time. Make it pay for you.
1: Um, excuse me. You mentioned some tax credits. Like, how does that work? Uh, when, when when do I get m- money? I like money.
0: Well, tax credits are just that. There are credit on your taxes you pay the year you commission your system. If your system's not generating, you're not due the tax credit. There are federal tax credits, and some states offer additional tax credits as well.
1: Uh, what is the base connection rate or fee I keep hearing about? Because that's, I mean, again, we're talking money here.
0: Yep. Kind of like when we talked on the uh, the solar roundtable, some states like California and Florida have had or are proposing to add a base connection fee for solar installed homes. This base connection fee is meant to offset the maintenance cost of the infrastructure or grid. Think of this fee as a fee to use the grid as your battery. There's no free lunch. Someone needs to pay to maintain the grid, and as more and more households go solar, we'll all need to pay for the infrastructure maintenance somehow. The base connection fee is meant to pay for those maintenance costs
1: okay and in talking to you previously, this has been one of the thing one of the sticking points for you. If everybody goes solar, then nobody's paying their electric bill, so the system itself isn't going to be maintained so right. Okay. Okay. Can we talk about whether to go with local or national installation company? Because I've seen both.
0: All right. Let's talk about that. The choice is going to be yours alone. Both offer pluses and minuses. In the end, you have to trust the company you hire to install your system. Look at some of the systems they've installed in your area. Ask how happy the customers are with the install and the service after the sale. And that's really important. How responsive have they been to other customers in the past? Again, this is a large investment, not only in money, but you're investing in your future. Make sure you're going to be happy throughout the life of your system.
1: Okay. I bet getting multiple offers is normal. No salesman expects to win every sale. But I bet you might just save some money and get a better deal in your installation if you compare multiple offers before you have your system installed. I agree. That's typical contract work. Okay. Um, I'm going to rapid fire some questions at you here. Are there times or locations where solar is not the right answer? What if you have a complicated roof? Like, you know, it's full of dormers or something. What if you live in a bad location like a mountain valley? What if regulations in your area have not kept pace with the rest of us? Like, you know, some places the regulations are completely crazy. What if there's a shortage of available qualified installers in your area? Because that might very well be the case here in Alaska. Uh, what if there are weather issues like here in Alaska that make solar impractical? Tornado alley, coastal fog, or just too cloudy or, you know, not enough sun in the winter time. And lastly, what if your home is just not set up in a way to make installation practical? Because my house is three stories tall. That installation is not going to be fun.
0: Image you're on fire. All those things must be considered before you buy. And We haven't even talked about keeping your solar panels clean yet. Thankfully, cleaning Ugh. solar panels is pretty easy most of the time. I didn't even think but about if that. You're, <laughs> yep. But if, but if your home is two or more stories tall, like yours, getting the panel cleaned might require extra equipment. In short, you have to take the entire life of your system into account before you purchase. Another point to consider is HOAs. Some HOAs have not caught up to the times and have restrictions about your home's appearance, which is another thing to consider before you purchase.
1: Luckily for me, I'm the vice president of my HOA, so I think I can make that work.
0: (laughs) Good, 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 good. Well, today we talked about solar panel types, the types of inverters to choose from, how your panels can be installed, how you can find the right installer, who's responsible for the permits, the inspections, and when the inspections happen, and how you pay for your system. Last, we talked about issues that could make installing solar less advantageous for you. I hope this helped explain some of the, the mysteries involved with solar systems and if they're right for you.
1: It sounds like a lot of work, but in talking to you, it sounds like the benefits vastly outweigh the detractions.
0: Solar is really pretty easy once you wrap your head around it. Let's be honest. All right. Let me leave you uh, with this one thought. <clears throat> Have you heard the one where the salesman says the money you save on solar will pay for the panels and the installation? So that means the installer and the finance guys are getting rich and you're just breaking even. Is that a good deal for you or not? Feel burned? I hope not because now you should understand solar a little better. I would first and foremost like to thank Amos for all the support for this podcast because without your help, brother, this would have never happened. Next time I'm in Alaska, I owe you an adult beverage and lunch. the The great Alaskan beer lunch. <laughs> I'll take it.
1: All right, well, I would like to thank you for uh, for sharing your knowledge on this in kind of a, a d- very direct way as far as uh, how the process works and, and the steps we need to to take and some of the things we need to look out for during the installation. I, I do appreciate it because this is something that's very relevant in my mind as soon as I get my
0: air conditioner paid off. Yeah, this is a pretty broad brush. I mean, we could have a deep dive. We could talk for hours. But uh, all right, let's wrap this up. Uh, I would like to thank the patrons – Without your support, none of these podcasts would happen. I enjoyed sitting in with uh, Amos today uh, for Tom, Sarah, Roger, and all the guests. I hope they're enjoying their well-earned time off, and I look forward to their return next week. Hey, folks, Tom Merritt here again. That's it for Experiment Week. Thanks to all the contributors who made these great shows. We hope you enjoyed it. Let us know what you think. Email us, feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. We're back to regular shows on Monday. See you then.
1: Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership.